Is there a witch in the woods? A curse on your camp? A haunting in your home? It's time to find out. Welcome to the Cower Hour. I'm your host, Briar. And I'm Nora. And this week we are joined by a guest. Hi, Anne. Hi. Horror movies. Ooh. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, oh, you talked at the same time, <laughs> so I got nothing here. Well, I don't know what was said to me. <laughs> Uh, I said, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at EM underscore being. I also do a bunch of podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, you can find Nora and Briar on Great Gundam Project, which is the most famous podcast we do. Um, you can find Nora on Abnormal Mapping, which is a game club in the at the end of this month. Ooh, that's true. Ah, uh, yeah. We, this week, watched The Descent. Written and directed by Neil Marshall and released in 2005. Uh, M, what's your what's your history of horror movies? So I grew up with a mother who was very much into horror, and so I was just allowed from a very young age to watch whatever, um, which means that it was mostly like the slightly toned down versions of horror movies on like USA marathons for like Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, which just means they took the boobs out. It's, it's not actually that toned down otherwise. Um, but so I grew up with a bunch of horror movies and then kind of fell off as I got into my teens. Uh, I thought that the aughts was a bad time for horror. I didn't think it was very scary and everything was PG 13. CG blood was a problem. We'll talk about all this stuff when we cover this movie. Um, and then got back into it as an adult. I still like horror movies, but I find that I don't like most of them, <laughs> which is fine. I've just seen too many jaded, maybe. Uh, but I like being scared, and I feel like horror movies are generally actually kind of bad at that part. Um, very good at startling people, but it's it's a rare movie that can just be scary. Um, Definitely. I, I find a lot of the stuff we watch is more like, stories about people in scary situations rather than stories that are scary in any way. Hmm. I think this might be one of our first, like, departures from that, for me at least. Mm. I was scared watching this movie, so. I Everyone definitely... knows that I'm full of scared. I'm full of scared? I'm scared of a lot of things, is what I meant to say. I mean, it definitely startled me, as I'm sad. Oh, that too. But we will get to that. So, without further ado, we watched The Descent. Um, concept warnings for probably discussions of, like, breaking bones, uh, vehicle accidents, claustrophobia, and the usual violence and gore of this kind of horror movie. So, we are introduced to Judo, Beth, and Sarah as they enjoy some white water, white water rafting together before coming ashore to join Sarah's husband and daughter. Juno has a brief, unheard conversation with Paul, the husband, before the group all head out onto the road. Distracted, Paul veers into the opposite lane and hits an oncoming van. Both he and their daughter are killed in the crash as metal poles from atop the van come loose and pierce the windshield. Sarah then awakens in an empty hospital where she stumbles out into the hall. As the lights go out, she is shaken back to reality by a friend who explains that her daughter 
is gone. This uh, this initial big spook is bad. It's already, yeah. I was like, oh no, mm-hmm. this is not what I was looking for. Because I've known this movie is like a relatively well-regarded uh, like cult classic of this era um, because of the claustrophobia in the caves and that. And just getting like a ooh, spooky hospital, uh, clearly dream <laughs> sequence as she runs down a darkened hallway, uh, d- d- put me immediately out a little bit in terms of uh, my feelings on this. Yeah, I I don't know about you two, but I feel like opening your movie with this kind of like a jump scare into like the spooky dream sequence kind of kind of just dumped everything on the table a little bit early. Yeah, we'll get to it maybe in the next paragraph or two of the summary, but I feel like this movie goes for what should be like a personally traumatic event played for shock value and then never picks up like the emotional weight that that should represent for the characters. Absolutely. Also, um, it was kind of just kind of funny that she's clearly, like, in the hospital. Yes. And she's supposed to be in the hospital, and she's in the hallway instead of in bed, and everyone was just kind of, like, walking around trying not to touch yes. her. Instead of, like, <laughs> No <laughs> like one reacting to this, this lady in a gown <laughs> collapsing in the hallway. Yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> pretty sure that's not how hospitals work. They even push a little, uh... The the beds, hospital bed yeah. things. They push one of those past yes. her. Like you think, oh, it's it's they're here to like take her back. No, it's just moving past, just going about. No, it's business. fine. It's, she's she's being sad. You have to leave sad people alone. Can't you hear the music? <laughs> I can actually it, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, one year later, up in the Appalachian Mountains, Sarah reunites with Juno and Beth, as well as other friends Sam and Rebecca, at a cabin. They are joined by Juno's friend Holly, and the group intends to go spelunking together as a way of helping Sarah recover from her loss. We learn that Juno didn't stick around very long after the accident to support her friend, and that Holly considers the cave they are headed towards to be a tourist trap. Sarah also co-stores her late husband's motto, Love Each Day, and keep that one in mind. Uh, that night, she relives her husband's fate in a nightmare as a steel rod comes through the cabin window. Uh, very annoyed that they used this one twice. It fucking got me both times. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the one thing that horror movies get me on, is jump scares, because uh, I am very timid. Uh, it was at this scene when everyone is hanging out at night uh, and bantering a little bit, that I was like, okay... Somebody needs to start dying because I cannot remember all of these faces and names. I just can't hold this much information at once. Uh, the thing for me with horror movies, uh, you know, it can cut both ways. Because you talk about Friday 13th. Friday 13th is a series about characters that you mostly dislike and want to see murdered in fun ways. That's kind of the appeal of slasher movies for a lot of people. You, you want to see what cool ways Jason's going to destroy someone in the next movie. Um, usually they're pretty boring because it's a bad franchise. But whatever. Um a movie like this is ostensibly sold on these are characters you want to see prevail over their situation. And here we get six people who you can only identify by their accent and hair color like it's an anime. Uh, and all of them don't notice that their friend is still actively having a break, like slow motion breakdown um, because they're all wrapped up in their own bullshit. Like automatically, I dislike this entire cast other than the lead. Yeah, the only people I could actually tell apart just from remembering are, like, Sarah, Juno, and Holly. Everyone else kind mm-hmm. of blurs together. Yeah, uh, Holly seems cool. Yeah. 
Um, at this point in the movie as well, it just automatically defaulted into, okay, which one of these is going to die first? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I guess I'm just going to do for movies like this forever now. Yeah, but these are supposed to be characters that are friends, and I don't I don't see a lot of friendship being demonstrated through the script and on screen here. No. Yeah. But to that end, I feel like in the opening sequence, at least, it was already sort of like suggested that there are like fractures in these friendships. Yeah, I th- you think that play more of an aspect than it does, and when it finally does like become the thing the plot is about, I think it will get there. But I think it's handled really poorly. It's a little silly. Um, so the following morning, the they head out towards the caves they own to spelunk through on country roads, and Juno intentionally leaves the cave's map behind in the car. Weirdly, during the sequence, Sarah is one of the ones driving, and she fucking guns it the entire way. Yeah. Um, you would think the person with like a, a history with a severely traumatic car accident might maybe be driving less like that but no or if she is driving like that you stop her from driving because clearly she's unhinged right like she's responding very badly to stimuli that is similar to her trauma yeah mm-hmm. um but they don't really draw attention to it in any way so um they all have to get out and hike the remaining distance they come across the slashed open corpse of an elk along the way before they finally reach the cave's entrance, which is a large open hole in the earth that they need to repel down. The group, all hesitating, 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 aside from Holly and Juno, descend down and begin to move on into the cave proper. Sarah finds a set of bloody finger marks on the wall and seems not to think much of it or tell anyone else about seeing it. Um, just a bit here. This is the most irresponsible cave diving I've ever seen. <laughs> Which is not yeah, a thing I, I'm ever going to do. I'm afraid of the dark and small spaces and being underground, but uh, and physical activity uh, and being outdoors. But um, these, if they're good at this and they do this regularly, they should like. There should be someone outside. They should not go to a weird cave they don't know. Like there's there's 800 red flags here. Yeah, I haven't really ever been in a cave, or do I ever plan to be in one? Really, but this seems maybe not right. Yeah, I watch a lot of people doing dumb things in caves on YouTube, and even the dumbest of them is more responsible than this. You mean people in real life don't just slide down the rope screaming? They might, but they're, like, way better secured in a place they know, and there's someone mm-hmm. outside who has a cell connection in case something bad happens, right? You need a go-between between the people in the cave and the outside world. What if you need rescuing? I feel like they should also immediately spot the thing that is going to be the twist later in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are you telling me none of these people looked at the, the cave, like, system on fucking Google or anything first? Yeah, I mean, it's 2005, uh, Google isn't quite what it, it is now, but they should have all, like, all of them should have realized they were going to the wrong cave uh, uh, that Juno took them to, which I guess is the next thing in mm-hmm. your notes, so we should probably skip to that. <laughs> Yeah, um, so they move on through the cave, lighting up the pitch black rooms with flares as they go. Juno tries to apologize to Sarah for not sticking around after the accident, clearly upset, but Sarah wanders off to find that path forward instead. She finds it in the form of a tiny claustrophobic tunnel, which all of the women push their way through until Sarah gets stuck. Beth returns to try and talk her down from panicking, but the tunnel begins to collapse. As Beth pulls Sarah out, leaving the rope back behind, the tunnel completely collapses, leaving everyone stunned. As they argue, Juno reveals that not only did she leave the map behind, but that she has led them to a completely unexplored cave system instead of the one they had all agreed to go to. Uh, 
Juno intended for them to explore it together and have it named after them. The group argues, Juno's eagerness to leave after the accident being brought up again, and Juno claims that Sarah wasn't the only person to lose something in the accident. They decide to keep moving and look for an exit. Just a... Where, where is this set? Just a little bit... Ir- well, somewhere where people are completely irresponsible. This is uh, in the Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina, where there are definitely dozens of undiscovered caves that people know exist but have not gone into, I'm sure. I... I got confused about where the movie was set because of a thing that happens later. But um, also, just I just can't stop thinking about what this cave actually is and how nobody has ever figured it out. Also, the movie is shot in Scotland and everything underground is a studio set, which uh, makes sense because it doesn't look anything like North Carolina. One bit, not once. Mm. Um, are you telling me there's just like a big, huge hole in the ground outside that's really easy to rappel into and no one's explored it yet? Yeah, weird. Hmm. Um, also just like the idea that, okay, we're all going to get together for our friend who lost her husband a year ago, and we're going to take her into a cave that no one has explored before. Might be full of dead ends, and we might all die in. That's yeah, un- unexplored caves are like one of the most dangerous things you could do on Earth, so... Like, I would argue going into an explored cave is pretty, probably yes. fucking dangerous enough. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, this was Juno's idea, not everyone else's. Everyone else wanted to go to this, like, kind of easy cave, sure. it seemed like. Yeah. yeah. For sure. It, so much as a cave can be easy. Yeah. But if they're, like, naturally outdoorsy types, then they're probably used to, they probably dived into mm-hmm. a cave or two. Yeah. I mean, we, we know, like, Holly is introduced as someone who does, like, base jumping and shit. Yeah. You think more than one of them would have looked at a map? Yeah. Um, I mean, like, the map was the map was in the car with them, right? Like, yeah. everyone had access to look at this map prior? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like they probably would have surveyed the area before they even went into the cave in the first place. But, you know, whatever. At this point, we are uh, overemphasizing how bad an <laughs> idea this is because uh, it makes everything else seem ludicrous. But, you know, yeah. it, it's all bad. They shouldn't have done this. They should not. But they keep going. To the movie's credit, I wasn't thinking about any of this while I was watching. Oh, I was thinking about this nonstop. I was like, none of this is how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I don't know anything about caves, uh, but it, it was as it was at least like convincing enough or like sure of itself enough that I didn't like think about it actively until after I had seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty immediately like, okay, this is a cave that supposedly lots of people come through, and there is no like stuff left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will get to stuff left behind pretty shortly. So, they keep moving and come across a, a very deep hole, cutting them off from the next part of the tunnel, with sheer walls on every side. Short the bag of ropes that they lost earlier, they decide to set up a pulley system on the cave roof so that each of them can be pulled across. Rebecca climbs across, hanging from the ceiling by her hands as she sets up cams one-handed to secure the rope. This seems very dangerous. Um, she does that and reaches the other side, Stopping as she notices a clearly man-made anchor point sticking out of the rock. The others ask if everything is okay, and she ensures them that it is before putting the rope through it and making it to the other side. She sets up the pulley, and the others begin making their way across, with everyone having no trouble until Juno attempts it. The final anchor point is pulled out as she loses her grip and falls partially, Rebecca severely cutting her hand on the rope while slowing her fall. 
Juno climbs back up, and the group discusses the old anchor point, clear evidence that others had been in the cave before them. Um, just a, the, the rock climbing thing, doing the cams one-handed, seems maybe like bad practice. I don't mm. know about that stuff. I do think this is the most effective tension building in the movie. I think, you know, like being stuck in a tunnel and caves being treacherous and it feeling both claustrophobic and like, you know, uh, mm. the heights of caverns that yawn below you is all very good stuff. Um, it's what I was hoping the movie would mostly be focused on. And this is kind of the end of it <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, we very briefly get something similar to this later, but it doesn't really get anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, ahead of that tunnel, they discover some cave drawings that seem to illustrate a second exit from the caves. As they leave the chamber, a drooling figure can be seen behind them, unnoticed by the group as it lingers in the dark, and Holly runs on ahead. Thinking that she's spotted daylight, she continues to rush despite Juno's protests and ends up falling down a pit and badly breaking her leg. The others descend after her and do what they can to fix it, making a splint from one of the pickaxes, and Sarah wanders off and finds an old metal helmet before noticing a naked humanoid creature looming in the darkness. It runs away just before Juno appears, having come to look for her. The group don't believe her when she describes the creature, and they all continue on, Holly limping all the while. This is our first like glimpse at the crawlers, as they are referred to. I think they are pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, they're. I like them a lot. They're right. Um, I the thing here, the the bone break, uh, which should be super gruesome, is a kind of hokey CG effect in a way that I found very distracting. Yeah, I think like the the action of the fall works better than seeing the yes. injury in any way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which this, is just, this is just this is just a function of its era, where a lot of like you know practical effects were being replaced with. CG stuff. And I'm, I appreciate that the crawlers themselves are actual people in costumes, because if yes. they were CG, this movie would actually be the worst thing I've seen in 10 years. Um, yeah. But... it's It seems like sometimes they are, but maybe that's just because they are, like, composited onto a fake rock wall or something. Yeah, there's definitely, like, augments being done, uh, whether that's hiding wires or sometimes, like, in big stunts, they are CG. I'm not sure exactly. I do know that the crawlers were all, like, specifically actors as well, rather than just, like, dancers or extras or anyone. Because mm. um, they wanted them all to sort of have, like, an individual character, which doesn't maybe come through the best it could, but I appreciate the effort. We'll get into it later, but they certainly seem to have genders. Yes. Uh, yes, gender, unfortunately, did make it down to the cave people. <laughs> there is nowhere you can go in America to escape. <laughs> Um, so, they eventually reach a larger, more open cave section with several tunnels leading out of it. The floor is completely littered with bones, which should maybe be a, a tell that something is wrong here, and they use Holly's night vision camera to look around, panning across until the creature that Sarah saw earlier appears in frame, standing next to them. It scrambles away quickly and climbs up a cave wall out of sight, before coming back to pounce on Holly as the group begins to panic. Sam and Rebecca flee off down one tunnel, and Sarah down another, but she loses her footing and falls, hitting her head on the floor. Um, the bit where it's just stood next to them is so good. It's really yes. good. They're very chill about finding a room full of large animal bones, though. Yeah. <laughs> Things you do not find in a cave system, ever. I feel like if I saw more than one animal corpse like, near each other, I would probably start worrying an entire yes. room. Um, 
should be pretty immediate tip off. Yeah, I um, I I was watching this movie in uh, in the basement, and I did just kind of like glance over my shoulder after I got spooked by the monster. <laughs> Um, to the credit, there was a very quick, like, neat bit where they are using a lighter to check which tunnel has airflow through it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, a shame they, this is the last chance they get to fucking figure out which is maybe the correct way to go. So, immediately Holly is killed as the creature begins to bite through her throat, and Juno fights it off while trying to prevent it carrying the body away. She cuts it with her pickaxe but is assaulted by a second creature, which she fights as the first one drags away the body. Juno kills the second and turns to attack what she believes is a third sneaking up behind her, and when she swings in reflex, she realizes that it is actually Beth, not one of the creatures, uh, and she has now plunged her pickaxe through Beth's throat. Beth struggles and pulls off Juno's necklace as she collapses to the floor, and Juno, pretty rightly shocked by what she has done, runs off into a tunnel and leaves Beth for dead. This is a good bit. I like this a lot, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it flows like... The the flow of like the motion from her fighting the second one to immediately turning around is pretty good. Yes. Um it is like a reasonable belief that she would do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think the when this movie initially starts to lean into like the thing that is a threat to them is their own like group dysfunction, I think that can be interesting. I think the way it resolves leaves something to be desired, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, I think like the way this action is interpreted by the rest of the movie is weird. Yes. Oh, the part where they they simply do not tell each other words to explain what is happening or what they are doing or why. Also, even yeah. in the moment, the movie seems to make it seem like Juno is like evil for doing this when it is a, mm-hmm. an entirely reflexive move. Could have happened to anyone. Yeah, but it spends the rest yeah. of the movie painting this as like a murder. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought I I remember hearing about this movie or reading a summary or maybe seeing like a video review of it like a decade ago maybe uh, I such a dim memory I thought that the twist was that this was secretly intentional after all and I wasn't sure what the actual the way the movie was going to play it would be no uh, but no it's just oops yep oh well um, sometimes, but the rest of the movie doesn't know that it was an accident. Sometimes you all head into a cave and you do accidentally kill one of your friends with a pickaxe. You hate to see it. It's in all the manuals. We know to expect it. Um, so, Sarah awakens after a, another bad dream about her daughter in a pit full of bones and corpses, and is quickly joined by Holly as her body is dropped into it. Using the camera, Sarah watches as several crawlers descend on Holly's body and devour her. She gags, tipping them off to her presence, but as they come close, we realize that they are blind. Sarah silence, leading them to believe that she isn't there. Juno can be heard shouting, and the crawlers all leave the pit to give chase. Sarah then takes a lantern from the pile of bones, presumably from the same group of miners that left the, the pit on we found earlier. Uh, she takes the pickaxe from Holly Splint and makes herself a little torch. Uh, Sam and Rebecca, who have taken shelter on a rock shelf and are being as quiet as possible, are encountered by one of the crawlers that had run off. Similarly, it fails to see them, it's raw, not provoking an audible response, and it heads off to leave, but is summoned back by a digital watch alarm going off, which it then chases after when 
either Sam or Rebecca, whichever one of them was the one wearing the watch, tosses it away. Uh, once again, we hear Juno shout and alert the creature. Sam and Rebecca attempt to continue escaping, but are attacked. Juno saves them, explaining that the creatures are blind and hunt using sound, in case we hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> these these are the first bits where we see, like, the faces up close for extended amounts of time, and I really like these these critters. Yeah, really they, I think, they I think the reveal being it, like, you know, making horror faces into the camera for, like, 30 seconds really robs it of something, but they are cool designs. <laughs> yeah, they could have made them a lot more monstrous, and I think that would have robbed it of something as well, but I do like how they look. Mm-hmm. Little golems. Yeah. The, the thing with the digital arm, like, the digital watch is shown to us earlier, and it coming back is fun. I like it when movies do that stuff, even if it's just a very small payoff. Um, mm-hmm. could not tell you which of those two characters is which, though. No, no. Nope. <laughs> uh, do you think the implication is that the crawlers are the people who were in the cave, like, 100 years ago? I don't think so. No. Or descendants of, like, I think these people I, live are... underground and mutated in this weird way? I think it was supposed to be uh, a f- more distant offshoot of humanity People? like yeah. a like a caveman yeah which does bring the question into like how they made such a lovely cave painting i guess unless they all had like eyesight back then and it is over the the centuries sort of become a thing or they don't have they didn't make the cave paintings but the other people yeah, I See, thought the cave paintings were from whoever was there 100 years ago. Because when she finds the anchor point, she's like, this hasn't been used in over 100 years. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Also, I, until now, I thought this movie was took place in Britain. And so I just thought that some old Brit- Britain people, I don't know what... You know, long time ago. Maybe. I don't uh, know. When I see cave paintings, my brain is immediately like, oh, that was cavemen. Cavemen did that one. Yes. I think that's the implication is that they are like a distant cousin, like a distant offshoot of human evolution that evolved to live underground. But late enough that they still have like eyes and like human faces and stuff. Yeah. Which is weird, but. Oh, um, so Sarah manages to find Beth, who is miraculously still alive, uh, and Beth explains to her that Juno had attacked her and left her dead, which is not how I remember it, but sure. Uh, she, sews, she shows Sarah Juno's necklace, which has love each day inscribed upon it. This was her husband's motto, leading us to suspect the pair may have been having an affair. Um, if I was Juno, I maybe wouldn't wear that thing around Sarah. Yeah. Maybe. That seems like a, a bad way to keep your affair secret, if you ask me. Yes. Um, but the only thing Beth asks for is for Sarah to kill her, which she does. And she has very little time to mourn about this before she is attacked by another two crawlers. The first of which she slams into the floor, and the second she stabs with a piece of... Is it like a piece of bone or an antler or something? I think it's an antler. It does look antlery. Um, she stabs the second with a piece of antler after she is pinned down in a big old pool of blood. The people making the most recent string of Lara Croft games yes, definitely watched this Yes, that's movie. all I could think of was where uh-huh. you fall into the blood pit in Tomb Raider. 
I mean, in in 30 seconds from this scene, we get a Tomb Raider shot where she holds the fucking pickaxe and the torch yes. and she has her tank top on. Yeah. Um, I don't like the way those movies like treat Lara Croft. Uh, not movies. The way those games treat Lara Croft. I like them less even now I know it is just doing a movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she reclines on a rock as a third crawler enters the chamber and doesn't notice her even if it stands directly on top of her. Uh, she stealth kills it and lets out a scream that is heard by the others. Is this the one that's, like, uh, clearly female? Uh, the... The female was the second one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she has hair, unlike all of the male form... Yeah, hair and uh, boobs. Crawlers. Yeah. And boobs. Can't forget the boobs. And, and, it's, and also, she's grieving for the murdered crawler who was the first one to attack Sarah. Because she's like goes up to it and like checks it out and then is like audibly upset by it and then attacks. You see it's just like it's just... Sarah's trauma. Ah, <laughs> uh, themes. Wow. Um G- gender roles, themes. Moms be grieving. Gender in the giant pool of blood. <laughs> like <laughs> written like panic at the disco. Gender <laughs> in the giant pool of blood. Ah. <laughs> Um, so, the others hear the screen, and Juno declares that she is not leaving without Sarah. The three of them realize a whole host of the creatures are in pursuit, and they run off down the tunnel. They reach another sheer drop like the one they found before, and Sam attempts to set up another pulley across the roof, but is attacked by a crawler. It kills her, but is stabbed in the process and falls into the water below. Back up at the ledge, Rebecca is pulled away and also killed, leaving Juno with little choice other than to jump into the water. She struggles with and kills the crawler that had fallen down there before trying to climb up the opposite side of the cave. She's about to fall until a hand grabs her and pulls her up, and who should it be but Sarah, who confronts Juno about Beth. Juno simply says that she saw Beth be killed, and the two continue on, Sarah knowing that Juno cannot be trusted. Uh, weird that she maybe wouldn't be straight about accidentally like murdering her friend. Uh, Sarah did actually kill her friend, that was the thing here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm, that is true. Uh, I apologize. It's a weird, like, almost feels f- like a forced yes. tension. Yeah. Yes. So they continue on and find another open cabin where they fight and kill several crawlers. I think After it's the- here that one of my favorite bits of, like, misdirection happens because there's a shot where they're like there's like a rock in the center of the set and there's like a path going on either side and the camera keeps panning to the right and the left as they're like going around this corner around this rock and it's clearly going to be like when it pans back to the left you're going to see a creature like three different times and the last time it doesn't actually do it and then as she goes down the creature like dangles from the ceiling at her in a way that I can yes. only describe as like a elementary school like haunted house <laughs> it's very uh, funny I've- I've been playing Resident Evil 2 recently, and it just immediately makes me think of all the times there was a zombie just kind of hanging from the ceiling for no reason. Uh, This next room that we're talking about, uh, there's like, is this the room with the daylight coming in? Um, I don't remember if there's daylight coming into it, but it is like lit. So uh, yeah, Uh, I guess there is daylight. (laughs) Where like, they look at the, they see the three crawlers in front of them just waiting for them? Or is that the next... Bit. Now this is like the last room that both of them are in, so it must be. Um, because in at that point, I had a moment where I thought that when they were like splitting off to the sides, that they were just gonna leave and let them 
go because they had killed so many. Like, they were going to illustrate that they were people and that they were going to just, like, get out of their way so that they would leave and stop killing them. And then, instead, it was they were just monsters again. Yeah. There was, like, a moment where I thought they would be people, though. No. Instead, we get, like, a, a brutal fight montage where they, I believe Sarah, like, sticks her thumbs into one of them's eyes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus, Sarah. Uh, the real monster is man, or woman in this case, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the thing I thought this movie was going to do differently than it did was after after the Sarah Beth scene, I thought the rest of the movie was going to be like Sarah hunting the rest of them through the caves, like after Juno. Mm. Um, but no. That plotline resolves itself <laughs> immediately here. Um, after they are finished completely murdering these crawlers, Sarah shows Juno the necklace that Beth had given her, and Juno is stunned. Distracted by the sound of more creatures coming for them, she is then stabbed through the leg by Sarah with a pickaxe and left for dead, just like she had left Beth. Sarah runs off and falls into a cavern full of bones, light shining in from above. She climbs up towards it and escapes into the woods outside, taking one of the cars and driving back off down the road. After a large lorry pulling pulling logs uh, pulls in front of her, she pulls to the roadside and stops, puking out of the window. As she turns back, Sarah is surprised by a bloody Juno sitting in the passenger seat next to her. This is where the film ends in the US version. In the UK version, Sarah then wakes up again, still lying in the pile of bones back in the cavern that she had fallen into. She fantasizes about her daughter and the birthday cake one last time as the camera pulls away and the sounds of the crawlers get closer. And that is The Descent. Don't like this ending. Which one? Um, like all of them. There's like, <laughs> I, there's so many points you could cut it. I really don't like that Sarah attacks Juno. I think it's honestly the worst part of the movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it reveals a thing that runs through this entire movie, which is the same problem. Eventually, if either you've seen The Craft, is that a thing that you're going to cover at some point? I think. It might be on the list. Okay. The Craft also has this problem slightly. It's a very different movie, obviously, where 
Uh, the only thing uh, that it can happen in a story about all women is that they form a sisterhood that then they break by petty differences over men, uh, which is what this movie does. Like the idea that like Juno also lost the guy she was sleeping with. It, the fact that that just turns Sarah murderous is so out of left field and I think is like so sh like myopic as a thing to do. Uh, it just left a really nasty taste in my mouth as like, this is the way she would react to this. Cause it either says that this is like a justified action or it says that her grief made Sarah like psychotic and either of those is bad. It mm. also like pretty immediately undercuts the previous scene where she like, she clearly like thinks about this and puts it aside. Yes. Yeah. Um, only to flip basically immediately for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like, the scene would have worked so much better if she just showed her the necklace and then laughed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I also just don't like the, the ass pull of, like, oh, she got out. Ah, no, she didn't. No, that, that is, uh, I think that whole thing's unnecessary. If she had just, if they had cut out the bit where she gets out and goes to the car and it just let, remained with her in the cave on her own, finally, like falling in a pit and having this all happen without a cut, I think it'd be much more effective. Yeah. Like, I would have even been okay with it just, like, ending with her, like, on the road. Mm hmm Because, like, the road signs are not American ones when she gets out. Yeah, no. <laughs> See, I was confused. I was very confused because I thought this was happening in Britain. And so then at the end of the movie, when she gets in her car, I was like, hold on. She's, the car is different. It's on, she's driving on the right side of the road and the steering wheel is on the left side. I mean, side, you can drive a wrong, different. you can ri drive a wrong steering wheel car in those, in each other's countries. That is a thing you can do. Yeah. Well, but the, the car accident yes. in the beginning is different. So I thought, oh, when they said they added this for the American release, they really added an American ending, like <laughs> road and all. <laughs> I just think that stuff is handled very poorly in terms of continuity. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, my assumption is that the like the English signs. I believe the truck that pulls in front of her also has like not American registration plates or something. Yeah. Like those are those are supposed to be like your cute little tells that this is not real. Mm. I didn't notice. Any I don't. Of I don't know if I, I would. I don't know if I'd say that. Different. I just think that it's uh, the way the movie is. I, uh, there's a bit in on the Wikipedia where like the, originally this wasn't going to be all female, and then when he decided to make it all female, he was like, "I need to give them all accents so we can tell who they are apart." Just don't think a lot of care was applied to this part of the movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, the the idea also that, like, the the post-Juno part of the ending was cut for American audiences because they wouldn't like how depressing the real ending was is very funny to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also don't buy, I, I don't buy it. I think that's fine. I think, uh, I think, maybe it's a function of the era it came out in, but I feel like American audiences love a bleak horror movie ending. There's going to be a whole bunch of them in the next 10 years as movies get increasingly more violent and nihilistic. Uh, and I was honestly surprised at how much this movie wasn't that. It felt way more of like a creature feature with slightly more gore, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, you mentioned, I saw your tweets about it, um, before I sat down to watch it this time, and you mentioned the CGI blood, 
And I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. It's, it's, it's not the split. worst thing I've ever seen, for sure. <laughs> but then, I'm very sensitive to it. <laughs> and then I saw the scene where they are eating Holly. And it is very noticeable. Yes. yes. <laughs> it, it is the most, like... 3D, like, raspberry jelly effect Mm -hmm. I have seen in a while. Yeah. We got some emails. Where can people send emails if they want to send emails? Exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com Have we ever said that on the podcast? (laughs) Um, We must have, right? It might only be in the tweets, but you can send emails to exportaudiopodcast.gmail.com and uh, they might end up on the podcast. Yeah. Before we get in the emails, uh, like, what is everyone's final thoughts on the movie? Like, summary-wise. Like, I I know I'm pretty down on it. I think think it's too reliant on jump scares and not enough on caves are scary and the second half of the movie could be in a basement could be in an office building it could be anywhere there's nothing cave like about most of running through dark spaces from the vampire monsters that want to eat you no matter how cool those vampire monsters are i like them better when it was about a cave i think that like we mentioned that the um rope pulley bridge scene was really engaging and like that was it was after that scene that i had to like take a break because the uh, watching them all crawl through the tunnel, and then having that happen was all like really effective and very. Um, I, I didn't realize that I could be um, affected by those particular elements in a movie mm-hmm. the way that I was, and it was like this very tense feeling that um, I had only gotten from like horror video games i've never been like actively scared in that way like from a from watching a movie huh um that's interesting and uh i like the monsters but it all it does kind of feel like two different movies Mm -hmm. um i like the idea of the monsters a lot and i like the cave stuff a lot and it at some point it kind of feels like two different movies layered on top of each other yeah um but I like I liked it generally. I said in the group chat that this might be my favorite one that we've watched for the show, and I think that might still be true. Although there's a part of me that does love Resident Evil. <laughs> I think, uh, with the acknowledgement, I haven't watched Krampus, and I don't really intend to. Um, I think of the movies you've covered, Black Christmas is absolutely my favorite. I think that movie mm-hmm. is genuinely one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm the one who told you to watch it, so, you yes. know. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> you know. uh, I'd say, overall, I'm pretty middling on The Descent. Like, there were some good scenes, again, like the cave crossing that we've all talked about. Um, the stuff with the video camera, seeing the crawl for the first time, just fucking chilling. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there were some, like, not character stuff in terms of, like, the characters, but... In terms of, like, there was some, like, fun stuff that I can take away from this movie and will think about instead of most of the rest of the movie, which was mm-hmm. just kind of very by the numbers, if I like. Um, like, again, most of the cave stuff, like, would have... It would have paid off for them to focus on that more. Like, I'm very, very uncomfortable in narrow spaces. Didn't really feel it in this movie at all. Uh, well, there's a sequel. 
Yeah, which I have read a synopsis of. <laughs> oh, uh, please regale us with what happens in The Descent too, because I have not looked this up. Um, so, broadly, I don't remember all of it, but it follows on from the US ending, completely forgets about the rest. Uh, she gets out, but she has no memory of the events. Um, and if I remember correctly, she goes back in with, like, the cops who are trying to investigate <laughs> these people that have gone missing. Uh, and Juno is still alive somehow, having Whoa. survived down there for however many days. Um, and I believe both Juno and Sarah do die on the escape. Okay. I was hoping that the sequel might turn this into, like... I just... Part of me just knew, just knew that at some point they would go deep enough that they would find some, like, ritual chamber or some, like, deific carving or some weird occult shit with the with the crawlers, and that just didn't happen. And I was so ready for the sequel to be like, there's the secret, like, culture of, of monsters and... That'd be uh, alright. I'd be down for that. Yeah. In the grand tradition of horror movie sequels, it's The Descent again. <clears throat> Mm. I, I don't know how okay. you get to the point in your decision-making process where you're like, okay, so a lot of people went missing in this cave. We are somehow going to organize another check of this cave in a way that also allows for us to all go missing. Oh. They should have called the sequel The Ascent. Ah, but they already ascended out of the cave. That was the ending. No, no they didn't. Oh, shit. No, you're right. <laughs> What if what if the ascent is about uh, like six crawlers who got into the <laughs> world and are accosted by all these horrible surface dwellers? Oh, they have to survive in a small town. That that'd be all right. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a pretty good movie, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, Warner Brothers is not making that movie in two thousand nine, but uh, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a great movie to me. That that's what we do in the shadows, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What we do in the shadows, uh, the, fill in the blank with crawling, it turns out. <sighs> so you want to hit us with those questions, Nora? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our first one is from Crass Pants, Twitter's own Crass Pants. It's here ah. to ask, uh, what movie would be best served by a secondary ending tacked on to the end where everything is just fine, actually? No consequences or troubles to be found here. Um... This one, right? I, if it had if it had thrown like three separate endings at me within a few minutes, I probably would have been higher on this movie. Um, Silent Hill, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> uh, I really like the ending of Silent Hill, the movie. Um, it's pr- it's good. I think it's the best part of the movie, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Honestly, I love both of those movies. And I haven't I, seen the second one, so... The second one, I think, has the guy from Game of Thrones. The first one has the guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the other guy, the kid, the, the Jon Snow, is. Oh, okay. I think, is in the second one. Kit Harrington, <laughs> That's his name, right? Yes, I think so. Okay. Um, oh, no, then in, in that case... Uh, Silent Hill, two, whatever the second movie is called, Revelations. Maybe? Yeah, I think so. 
Um, because that one ends with uh, the new monster and Pyramid Head dueling and like having a sword fight. That sounds pretty <laughs> sick for a movie I everyone I know who's seen it hates. So the, I'm pretty sure the protagonist, who is the character from Silent Hill 3, whose name I can't remember. Heather. Heather, I think, summons Pyramid Head like a Pokemon. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely what here Pyramid Head represents. <laughs> Doesn't really I, line up with the experiences I'm having in Silent Hill 3, but sure. <laughs> Very vague recollections of this movie, but that's what I remember is, is her summoning Pyramid Head to fight the new monster. Oh, great. Or something. I have the first one on DVD on my shelf somewhere. Yeah, you know, you could do worse. Uh, I think I think if I was going to tack on a happy ending, I would tack it on to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, just because it's the most incongruous movie to tack an ending like that onto. I know nothing about that movie. Oh, you should watch it. It's really good. <laughs> I think I've been recommended that we talk about it or like watch it for the podcast, and I think I'll add it to the list. Yeah, we probably should. Uh, my real answer here is that it, if like the end of Friday the Thirteenth Two had cut to it being like a movie made about what happened in the first one i think i would have liked that movie a little bit more maybe hmm. ah i could have seen that as like scream 2 <laughs> <laughs> okay i have never seen scream but i have seen scream 4 it might be scream 3 i've only seen the first scream but i know at some point there is a movie being made about the events of scream in one of the screams i believe that is the second one i've only seen scream okay. 1 as well which i did like i saw scream 4 with uh friend the sort of friend that you have in your teens who like sometimes calls you a slur um but you think they're really cool Mm. uh and it was just very there were a lot of like sort of meta layers of of itself in that movie that was weird yeah the true horror movie is being a teenager (laughs) Um, Scream uh, 1 is already kind of deep on that like horror movie meta stuff, so I can very much see how that would compound as the series goes along. Yeah. Our other email comes from Tron. What did you all think of the soundtrack for this movie? I thought it was a no- it was a no- it was novel to hear a more lush theme in a horror movie. Uh, I think it's overwrought for the kind of movie it is. Um, it's a very classical, like, <clears throat> filmic score and this movie to me very much is in the like aughts kind of riffing off french new wave horror like violence survival stuff and i don't think the two gel very well looking up this composer it is the composer for many of christopher nolan's movies including (laughs) memento insomnia and the prestige which is very funny to me because (laughs) yes exactly this checks out 100 percent maybe i just have a really bad ear for music but i feel like unless the soundtrack for something we're watching does something really noticeable, like the one for The Witch did. It just doesn't stick with me. This one was just very bombastic, like, strings when they're, like, just going through caves in a way that the two things didn't gel for me. I would have gone with something either more minimalist or more, like, abrasive and experimental. Either way would have worked, probably. Yeah. I feel like if you're doing something set in a cave system like this, like, the thing mm-hmm. you want to be focused on audibly is, like... Th- the silence and anything that clashes with that silence, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, going entirely scoreless for a movie about being in a cave would be incredible, honestly. I think it needed more Slipknot. I mean, what doesn't well, really? Well, you always think it needs more Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's your favorite character? 
Ah, uh, there were characters uh, in this movie? <laughs> I guess Sarah, but only like for the first 30 minutes. Um, probably <laughs> Holly. She seems cool. She does die yeah. very quickly, though. Yeah. Uh, she's probably my favorite, just because, you know, she's clearly some sort of punk, I guess. Or She does base jumping. That seems... Yeah. Cool. And it's just Probably. a vibe that I'm uh, that I like in a person. Anyone who's likely to carry a knife on them is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The amount the amount that Juno as a character is trying to channel Resident Evil Michelle Rodriguez in this movie is very mm. funny to me. God, you know, I didn't put that together until now, but <laughs> Yes. It's so deliberate. Like they can't afford Michelle Rodriguez, but they're gonna do the best they can anyway. What did you all think of the car crash scene in the beginning? It seemed like something from a Final Destination movie to me. I'd never seen those. Um, Except that I saw Death Note, which is similar, I have been told. You should watch Final Destination. It's a good series. It goes a lot of interesting places. I don't think it's... uh, The whole thing of Final Destination is that the moment of violence is like a cathartic build. Like that's a movie that relies entirely on you enjoying watching people die in elaborate ways. Um... (laughs) Uh, and this just comes out of nowhere. Uh, it's much more like sudden and surprising and trades on that is like its main, like it's meant to be shocking. Cause uh, here we go. All of a sudden in the middle of building these characters, two of them have died. Um, which I think is kind of cheap generally. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a thing. There was some news story or something about something very similar to this incident that I saw when I was very young it was like a documentary of, or or like some other story about a thing like this, and it just like has stuck with me. the The whole idea with the poles has just like stuck with me all my life. Whenever I see things like that on a car, and so uh, this was just like, oh, that that's here. I don't know what a, it's a weird and specific thing to to hyper fixate on, but you know, brains. Um, I like, like I mentioned at the start, the scene is very much the movie kind of throwing its chance at having like real tension away before any of it starts for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't feel it even works as like a sudden thing because it's very, it's very briefly like shown that it's going to happen, but it is that like it is obvious it's going to happen. I feel like because you see through the window screen and he is clearly drifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I could just immediately tell, like, he, oh, he's going to hit that car, and then it's just like super violent. Yeah. Have you ever gone on a trip with someone to help them out, or uh, gone outdoors activities at all? I mm-hmm. used to be in the Boy Scouts as a kid. I also was in the Boy Scouts, but I quit as soon as they were like, we're going to camp all the time. And I was like, I signed up to learn how to tie knots and read Morse code. I don't want to do any of this. <laughs> I wanted to quit at that point, and then I couldn't because of family. Oh, that's uh, a shame. All the men in my family were Eagle Scouts, so Whew. I couldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. That paints quite the picture, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but I, I never felt like I was able to quit, and so I didn't. And I just suffered through a bunch of shitty camping trips throughout my teens. Uh, so I was never in, like, the Scouts or anything. I've, I've been to, like, some outdoor adventure course dealios, and those are fun. But it's never been, like, a thing I did. 
Well, we've already descended into the caves, and I think it's time to make one final descent into hell. Welcome to the Funko Zone, the new and improved and expanded Funko Zone. What's new and improved about it? Well. This is the Chase variant Funko Zone, is that where we're at now? (laughs) I just want to share with all of you some, some news from the Funko Vlog. Okay. I've been listening to the official Funko Funcast, and I thought I would like spice up this segment by adding in some just Funko information for everybody, because I know everybody loves the Funko rating section. So here's here's the real trick here, is as someone who watches too much YouTube, because I have a lot of anxiety and it's very soothing to watch shit on YouTube, I watch a lot of Funko videos. <laughs> oh, good. So you, do you know about the Frozen 2 Funko Pops? No. Because I mostly get people who are unboxing them in, like, mystery boxes. That's what I watch. So, they're new. um, I don't know shit about them. I have pulled up all of the pages so far. The three pages on the Funko blog that were posted today on the Uh 5th of February. Coming soon is Pop Disney's Frozen 2. Yeah. Uh, We have uh, Pop Olaf with Bruni, who is a lizard, I guess. Okay. Um, the lizard also has his own Funko Pop, and then we have Elsa riding Nock, which is a seems to be a spectral horse. Am I gonna get pictures of these? Do I have to look these up myself? Uh, <laughs> I will post. I will post Funko Pop. Yeah, Disney I need. Frozen. I need to judge these Funko. I am. St- no, no, we can't rate them because we will rate them. We, you will be given a Funko to rate at the end of the Funko blog check. I'm so. I, mean, glad. I can. I can rate all these. Also, I can. I can rate multiple Funko Pops. I'm so glad we're getting the, well. The hot news. The, the rules are that we we always rate one Funko Pop per person. Okay. Here. Here. Okay. But uh, are, are we going to rate these three? Is that the one then? No, no. Okay. Well then, in short, this Olaf sucks because Olaf sucks just as a person. <laughs> this lizard's cute, and this horse is very badly modeled. These are my takes on these fun Why? Pops. Why doesn't Elsa have any shoes on? Uh, because you... horny. Retweet if you know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, the second page we have are, uh, you can support Australian animals through pop culture. Because it's like Funko Pop with the exclamation yeah, yeah. point. Yeah. Um, there's a firefighter with a koala Funko Pop um, that you can purchase to uh, send money to the RSPCA National Bushfire Appeal. Hmm, what if I just gave money to the RSPCA Bushfire Appeal? But what if instead you helped a corporation say that they helped? Hmm. Uh, I'm not in the business of paying for anyone else's business. I like I like that this firefighter is dirty, but this koala is pristine because they can't detect <laughs> a singed koala uh, in this toy that people are going to get. Our last uh, Funko blog is the Funko Shop exclusive item, Pop Books Cthulhu 10-inch Funko Pop. Oh boy. I don't like the 10-inch pops. I think they're bad. I think it's a bad choice. It's a 10-inch supersized pop, yeah. as we've featured on the show before, yeah. uh, but it is just uh, Cthulhu with seaweed underwear, it seems like. Yeah. I don't like... This is a this is a bad sculpt. Like, whatever value Funko Pops have, I think they're kind of ugly, but um, mm-hmm. 
it's in the fact that they're small. Like if you make them big, the part where they're cheap uh, really stands out instantly. Yeah. Also, you shouldn't be allowed to change the shape of the eyes because that's the whole point is that they're all soulless, vacuous dolls ready to be filled with souls. Some people think they're cute. I'm going to let them have that. Uh, you know, they're wrong, but whatever. Uh, Limit of one on these only. You can only buy one Cthulhu. Um, my favorite is the Ruby Rose from Ruby, uh, Funko Pop, who instead of the standard, like, black eye dots has just these chrome silver eye dots instead. Um... Um, they really should not be able, like, allowed to label these things 10-inch supersized pop. It's a very haunted phrase that I don't like. <laughs> um, uh, you'll be happy to know this thing is £8.76 on eBay. Wait, this 10-inch pop? It's 30 on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as is our normal custom, I will now type the descent into... The Funko website. I'll be very surprised if there's any related items. There, there aren't, but you will be rating uh, Mal from the Disney's The Descendants. Ah. Okay, I've seen and that. I haven't. M, M will be given, as is custom, a completely random Funko. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you get the Jawa from Star Wars. Ah, oh, damn it. You know I hate Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, this is, shit, this isn't a pop figure. It looked like a pop. How would how like... could you tell? Jawas are already basically living Fungo Pops. <laughs> it's a it says Jawa and it's a Funko Pop, but then I click it and it's a Jawa, but it's a Grim Reaper? How about Excuse you give me, me something else? <laughs> I will click on a different thing, which is <laughs> Okay, the next one down is Goku eating noodles from Dragon Ball Z. Fuck yes! Jackpot! Wow. Some real guest favoritism here. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go mask off on this one. Who the fuck is Mile from The Descendants? Never heard of them. Oh. I when I I opened the pop like I've seen the Descendants and I was thinking about that George Clooney Hawaii movie and not whatever the fuck this is <laughs> so no I have not seen the Descendants I don't oh. know what the hell this is yeah serious uh, serious demerit me not knowing who this person is that that takes away some points for sure um, oh Queen Maleficent Mal Bertha is the main protagonist from the Disney Channel films Descendants Descendants Two and Descendants Three and is also the protagonist of Descendants Wicked World no thanks. Um, does also say status vaulted here. The, uh, the fucking plebeians can't get their hands on this one anymore. That's a demerit. Um, I mean, it's just because it's old. It's from t- 2016. You know, they only made so many of these. Nobody gives a shit about the descendants. True. Pop, pop, uh, pop price guide, trending value, $47. Someone apparently will pay money for this. Well, I... I worked at Toys R Us when this was, when this, like, series was very popular and I had to stock a lot of, like, normal toys. They didn't have Funko Pops at the time. But, um, well, we really didn't have any Funko Pops. I, anyway, um, I just saw all of these characters, and I thought the idea was neat, but never looked at it at all. Yeah, she's just kind of purple. She has a very stereotypical, like, bad girl outfit. You know, there's some studs going on there. Um, she has purple hair, yada, yada, yada. She's got boots on. <sighs> Nothing really to bring out on this one. No high points. I'm um, going to go ahead and give it the 
the customary Zara Funkhouse out of five. Here's a picture of the character as presented in the movies. Okay. Sure. That sure looks like a Disney original mo- motion picture <laughs> character that, that exists. That sure is an outfit that someone would wear, optionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I've got Goku eating noodles. Uh, this is not a currently released product. It is coming soon. It is an Amazon retailer exclusive, uh, which is class violence on multiple levels, uh, which is a knock against it. Uh but it looks like it's Goku. He's dead, so it's, you know, mid-period Dragon Ball Z. He's got a halo. Uh, he's eating a bowl of noodles. Um, his expression seems confused that he's eating noodles, which <laughs> is weird to me because eating is Goku's favorite activity, like, even more than fighting. Um, and so I don't think he would be confused. I think he'd just be happy. But the bowl is too small because anything, any real Dragon Ball Z fans know that Goku's going to eat everything you've got. Uh, and that bowl of noodles will not assuage him any bit. Uh, so I think this is a, uh, good, good try conceptually, but bad execution. So mm-hmm. I think I'm going to give this three pops out of five. He does look okay. like something in the noodles has caught him off guard. He wouldn't know. He's too dumb. <laughs> <laughs> is that higher than Jackson rated their Funko when they were on the show? I think so. Um, this might be a new record of the currently the best Funko is Goku eating noodles. I mean, Goku's cute. Uh, I think this Funko is like kind of a, a very poor, like they, they could do better. Uh, right below it was Piccolo meditating with his legs crossed. That's a five out of five uh, Funko right there. Um, <laughs> one of the best. Piccolo automatically highest score, but um, yeah, it was just. How funny. do you feel about the Perunga six inch pop? Uh, I don't want a Purunga 6-inch anything. <laughs> that sounds like a bag dragon product, not a Funko Pop. <laughs> um, I have I have a, a ancillary a s- special thing for you, because I was certain there weren't going to be Descent Funko Pops. It's a movie from 2005 nobody gives a shit about. And I want to know if there were any Descent merchandise anywhere that wasn't like a custom figure. And I found two pieces. Oh. So, we've got... Uh, we've got a, a bust that you can buy. Seemingly, you could have bought for around $50, I assume, near at the time when this movie came out, of one oh. of the crawlers. Do you think there are people Ooh. just sort of around that have that thing on their mantelpiece? Absolutely. <laughs> Do you think there are people who only have this? No, they have like <laughs> 800 different horror monsters mm. all so, in a row. Like, and like they this... shoot their YouTube videos in front of them. This is definitely in Del Toro's house, right? His big house full of, like, horror stuff. He probably just has, like, the the mask that they used in the movie. <laughs> That's instead. Um, and then the other thing that I found, which I couldn't find a price on, but seems to be, like, an actual product that was made. Um, very funny. Uh, here you go. This is a <laughs> uh, Sarah Carter action figure in the style of the old <laughs> 70s figures uh, of her just covered in blood. Oh, boy. <laughs> Contents: One blood-covered cave diver. <laughs> this is very funny. That's yes. Cute. <laughs> um, the the logo of this movie on the poster of all of the women forming not actually a skull. I guess it's supposed to look like one, but they don't succeed at all. Mm-hmm. Is maybe the funniest poster in the world. <laughs> Um, uh, it's supposed to be the Dali thing, right? It's based on something. I was just 
I never ended up clicking on it. It was it was on the. It's the same thing. The um, the the other horror movie that people have heard about, you know the one. Oh right. <laughs> uses the no, similar but... uses a similar thing, but on like a moth, I think. God. I should... Oh, like the death moth. Effect? Yes. You mean Silence of the Lambs? That's the one. Oh, <laughs> where did I go? <laughs> uh, um. Right. I'm just going to say, if you're going to Photoshop six women into the shape of a skull, you could do better than this. Yeah. Um, six women screaming in pain into the shape of a skull, thank you. <laughs> yes. And somehow they have double feet? No. Too many the, feet? the middle two feet are Sarah's. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I also was at a real question of where are the other feet from? <laughs> I guess she has, like, bent her legs forwards around the two people in front of her. But... I don't think that I don't think that works unless she has the longest legs in the entire world. No. Like, everything about that structurally seems wrong, but maybe. Look, if you just hire somebody on Twitter to draw it, it'll come out looking better than this. Yeah, that's true. I have begun the process of listening to the Funko Funcast from the beginning, which is quite the endeavor because, let me just double check here, this week's episode was number 136, and it's weekly, so it's been going on for a while. I'm so glad we have you out there in the Funko trenches getting us the hot news. Apparently the thing that they do is that sometimes they'll just pick a person from that works at the company to be a guest on the podcast and they will introduce them to the fandom of Funko Pops. That's terrifying. The person on this week's episode started was like the 21st uh Funko employee because each employee has a has a number uh that is like a mark of seniority or something. It seems very weird, but um, apparently there are a little over 600 employees at Funko HQ. Um, There is some relevant Funko news that I've discovered that is important, I feel, to mention. Um, Mm -hmm. Coming soon, pop animation, Evangelion. Adventure through the futuristic fortified city of Tokyo 3 of your favorite heroes, including a six-inch pop Eva Unit 01. My favorite hero. I would love if... If any of Evangelion was about having an adventure in the city, that would be cool. It is a six-inch uh, super In episode, star. like, six or whatever, Shinji has that episode, like, he just wanders around the city the entire episode. It's good. I don't remember that one. It's where he goes to leave. Like, he gets oh, on the train. Yeah. He's like, I'm out of here. Right. Gosh, I hate how these things look. Uh, I think that it's very unfair that there is no Masato or Pen Pen or the characters you care about. Mm. Where's a Gendo Ikari Funko Pop? Why is it just the pilots? And not even all the pilots. No, but the ones people know. Yeah. I mean, that's the Funko way. Yeah. The ones people know. Um, I will report back in next two weeks from now. Next fortnight. 
Oh, uh, the last uh, last I think it was last episode. Uh, you disparagingly called Freddy Funko this weird redheaded character. Uh, <laughs> that is the mascot character Funko Pop. As a Funko expert, you should know this. I do know that now. Okay. I have seen the error of my ways, and I have accepted Freddy into my heart. The idea that people are enthusiastic about Freddy Funko Pops because uh, they're very expensive, baffling to me, because I don't know why you'd care about this kid, but whatever. Every episode of the Funcast, I think they give one away to oh, okay. people who retweet the podcast with the hashtag, along with an emoji that they choose in that episode. Wow. Hmm. Well, people do love that brands. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering at what point do I try to get uh in on that on that giveaway. God, if you could get I one. mean you could you could always just turn around and sell it, so make some money by listening to a oh. podcast. It's better than anyone else has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> the real question is that... when do we start getting the Funko like ad spots? Ooh. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. Is this not already a Funko ad spot? Didn't you just give away uh, the uh, cow for free? I mean, okay, when do we start getting Funko ad spots that they've paid us for? <laughs> if if you want, um, if you want a Funko chat outside of Cower Hour, if you want it on export, if you want me to inflict Funkos on Autumn, uh, y'all got to pay up Funko. <laughs> If Funko wants to put out a Gundam line, and they will when Legendary Gundam comes out, we will get Gundam Funko Pops oh, no. uh, of uh, of uh, Andrew Ray or whatever they're going to call Amuro in that movie. Um, I guess we'll take the sponsorship on Great Gundam Project. The description of Neo-Human Cashern from Plex calls Cashern Ted West. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it got an English release at some point. Not that I can find. This is just the Plex description. I could find no evidence of a Western release of Cashern ever. Weird. Our hero and savior, um, Ted West. But yeah, that that's all the Funko I have in me for this week. That's fair. I believe we have spent a long time in the Funko Zone. But I do love to be here. Any parting words on The Descent? Um, don't go to caves. Yeah, don't go to caves. Yeah, they seem bad. Uh, Also, I think I hear a dog. I hope y'all don't hear a dog. I I hear a dog a little bit, just like rattling around. (laughs) Uh, You know, this really isn't what I expected. Everyone is always telling me about how great Cave Story is, and this really didn't live up to the hype that everyone I'm here to was... tell you Cave Story's bullshit, and so is The Descent. <laughs> um, there is a Magnus Archives episode about Spelunking, and I think it was scarier than this movie. That's on my list of things to check out at some point. It's pretty good. I think that's a podcast. We should probably do the closing. Probably. Em, where can people find you again on the internet? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. I have a bunch of podcasts on a network called Abnormal Mapping. You can find that at abnormalmapping.com. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, if, the one I'd most love people to listen to is my movie podcast, Repertory Screenings. It comes out every two weeks. You can find it at repertoryscreenings.com. We don't really cover horror movies because Jackson's a big baby, but we do talk about film. Um, and uh, if you'd like to support our network, you can go to patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. For a dollar, you get Great Gundam Project. We talk about Gundam. Nora was on recently. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, you know, when we're not covering G Gundam, which we're doing now, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all my things.
personally, I love to watch 27 episodes of G Gundam in a week. <laughs> Honestly, it's better than watching them over 14 weeks, however many times I did it. <laughs> I'm still having fun with G Gundam, but we will talk about that another time. Oh, do I, do I go next? Yes, usually. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at NeaterNora, and you can find everything I do at uh, norablake.online. Oh, also, this podcast is part of the Export Audio Patreon network. That's not it. Export Audio Podcast Network, which has Patreon, exportaud.io. Uh, and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Wegazal. You can find the games I make on itch.io forward slash Wegazal. And I believe that is a podcast that we have just done and finished. So, time's up for the car hour. Join us next week as we watch Chopping Mall. But until then, good night. Good night.